Did you hear... You and I are both millennials. Yeah. I kind of get eye-rolly about millennial news. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, guys, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> but I will admit, Jordan and I frequently do lament mm-hmm. some of the things millennials as an entity do. Yes. That make all of us look bad. Yes. So did you see this latest... I saw it on a Twitter thread by... I think she's a Time Magazine co- uh, correspondent mm-hmm. or something like that, where she overheard in the office a millennial of, I believe the mid twenties variety, mid to late twenties interacting with her editor. Okay. And so the editor had like sat her down to go through edits, which I used to write for a publication. Mm -hmm. This is what you do. That's a normal thing. Also when somebody is your boss and they're called an editor, what do you think they do? They change your words. Yeah. (laughs) They change your words. To make them good. Yeah. To make them better. Yep. Like if they're doing their job, they do them better. Anyway, this isn't even about making your words better. This is about making your words correct. correct. <laughs> so this girl, I guess, they were going through the edits, and the editor said, the girl pointed out the, this word hamster, and she said, why'd you correct this? And the editor was like, oh, well, you spelled hamster with a P, and you don't spell hamster with a P, which now I keep finding myself pronouncing hamster. it with a P, yeah. which is like probably a city in England, not an animal that you keep in your bedroom. That's hamster. Yeah. <laughs> hamster, I feel like, sounds like <laughs> So anyway, she, the girl, the millennial young woman, apparently, um, and I really tried to view this objectively, but there was no way to do it objectively. Like hamster is spelled not with a P. No, it's hamster. But the girl's argument was, well, this is how it was taught to me. So this is how it's spelled. Honey, I have news for you. (laughs) Well, and also I just was like. No, that's not how the world works. Sometimes, guys, we're wrong. And sometimes people teach us incorrect things. Right, and that's a bummer. Yeah. That's a bummer. But the more willing you can be to say, whoops, my bad, Mm -hmm. I made a mistake. But instead, what this girl did was argued about it. They had to, like, pull up the dictionary like, to show her that hamster wasn't spelled with a P, she got very upset. They finished the edits. The editor left. I think this was, like, a communal conference room mm-hmm. situation. So the coworkers or the people in the working space saw her send some texts, and she was, like, visibly, I think, a little bit tearful and upset. Next thing you know, her cell phone rings, and it's her mom because she's texted her mom. I am close to my mother, but this is, guys. That's next level. This is not how you do things. Like, wait till you go home for the day, vent about how embarrassed you were because you've been spelling hamster with a P for 26 years. But, like, you don't call your mom. And then the mom was put on speakerphone, asked to speak with the boss, which I don't think ever happened. I will tell you, that happens more than you think. I've had people's parents email me about their child getting a job here. No. No. Inappropriate, guys. And that's and that's the reason they don't get hired. <laughs> guys, guys, no. No. And so, anyway, what I thought was interesting about the Twitter thread was the woman who had observed all this. Yes, we've got questions, obviously, about the millennial young woman. Yeah. But really, who are the questions about? The, the mom. Yeah. I have to know. How are these people being raised? I don't know. Do you know, one time I was driving by a church with my family. I was a kid. I was a high school student, probably, middle school. And I asked my parents what the Episcopal Church believed. Uh-huh. And my parents informed me it was Episcopal. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, it's a good thing somebody told me how to actually pronounce that. Like, right. you should be grateful somebody told you hamster is not spelled with a P. When I was a kid, I thought that mortgage and mortgage must be different things because I'd heard adults say mortgage, but I'd only ever seen the word mortgage. Okay. <laughs> 
And yeah. so I was like, well, there's a mortgage and there's a mortgage. Yes. Also, when I was in kindergarten, I looked at a book and was introduced to the Greek mythological character of Zeus. Mm-hmm. Never heard of Zeus before, but I looked at this and I saw his name spelled and I inserted an S into it because I only ever knew about Jesus. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, Zesus. He must be Jesus's brother. And that was the conclusion I came to. And you know what? I don't know that I was wrong. <laughs> You're a typical millennial then. Typical millennial. <laughs> Zesus. episode 232 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and look, growing up is hard. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. It's beautiful. It really is. It's just hot. It's very hot. And I'm not going to complain. Like, guys, it is what it is. In August, I'll complain. It's been raining so much. Has it? I'm never here. Has it been here? I'm never here. Look. In Tallahassee, it's been raining a lot. I'm never home. Mm. That's I, right, you've been traveling so I'm much. I'm never home. Mm. I was working an event last night and I looked at Nancy and I was like, do you remember when I went to London? That was six months ago. Yeah, and Atlanta and Montgomery. Yeah, because you were in Atlanta all last York. week. And then Montgomery too last yeah. week. Goodness. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know what day it is. I just need somebody. I need somebody named Marge to be my, my cat? assistant. Oh, My I cat will be your assistant. I just needed, I just need, when I think about Marge I picture like maybe it must be comes from the Simpsons or something mm-hmm. I picture this older woman mm-hmm. I need an older woman to like be my assistant and just tell me where to go when I want her to be called Betsy I'd be fine with that okay. I'd take any name okay I just need someone to tell me where to go when mm-hmm. because my inbox everything's a mess and I'm just trying to do one thing at a time I'm now I'm picturing you as Meryl Streep and you need a young Anne Hathaway uh, to be you your what? personal assistant except I don't want to be Anne Hathaway I don't think she's a nice person. Really? Well, when I was in England, and that's a phrase I'm really going to throw around a lot okay. for like the next five years. Yeah, obviously. When I was in England, um, we, when went I studied this, abroad. <laughs> we went on this Jane Austen tour with this man named Phil, who was amazing. Mm-hmm. He's like my patron saint now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was delightful. But he was saying that when Becoming Jane was being made, the movie she and Hathaway scheduled a tour with him because he is like one of the only people mm-hmm. who does a tour of Jane's original birthplace, mm-hmm. et cetera. And she never showed. <gasps> and also never canceled. Just didn't show up. And I wonder if she made the appointment or if she had an assistant who did it oh, and then never told anybody. Somebody named Marge. Somebody up. named Marge. That's going to be my theory because she seems like a nice person. She does. She seems high strung. Yeah, but in a way that like she cares about a lot of things. Yeah. She seems high strung in the way that you are high strung mm. or I am high strung. She's an Enneagram one. High oh, strung. that's a very different I think kind that's of a thing. different kind of high strung. <laughs> <laughs> I love all my Enneagram ones. They make the ship run, to be clear. Like, However, <laughs> we, we are not them. Well, I thought for a long time I was one. Mm-hmm. And then not just because Olivia's one and Lucy is one. But it's not just being around them. I was mm-hmm. around some other Enneagram ones, and I just realized they're far more detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. And I am not that person. Kelsey's not convinced she's a six rather than a three. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know enough about the Enneagram Jordan's to say anything. Jordan's dad is an, a six. I'm a wing six. It's a very, it's a doomsday-oriented kind fearful. of type. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in a way that I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even consider all the ways that this could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
Look, and I, I mean, I do that. I also wonder, well, and I don't know in Kelsey's case, but sometimes I just think women are trained to be, yeah. oh, to I, some extent, I in definitely think that's I am true. always looking for the exit signs. Where can I hide? Yeah. Like, wh- what no, can sometimes, I do? Sometimes she doesn't like going to the movie theater. Yeah. Just because it's scary. And like, I get that. Yeah. I understand that, but it's not something I ever think about. And that's a yeah. little bit of my male little privilege. A little bit male privilege, a little bit of Enneagram 4, I yeah. guess. Anyway. All right. Well, that was a side note. Uh, we have a fun episode, we yeah, think? I, I think so. Um, this is one that was recommended to us um, by one of our... Um, live show guests. Live show get audience members. Audience members. Um, at our reader retreat last month. Yeah. Um, was that last month? Oh, God. And we had to talk about reader retreat this month. Yeah. Reader retreat is, is this weekend. Minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here as long as you need me. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, we got a reader retreat coming up this weekend, but this topic came from last month's reader retreat. Um, and it is essentially like if you could have one author write one book that they haven't written yet. Yeah. Or if you could have a book that doesn't exist yet, but you could kind of just craft it in your brain for somebody right. else to do, what would that be? And this is a really challenging question to me. This is super hard because then, like, I have a list, and I'm like, do I want to share these with the world? What if I want to write these books? Well, and there is that. Right. But I think the kind of, the point of the way that we are approaching this is, like, this author has a particular brand, style, theme, whatever, that would mesh really well with this particular genre or type of story. Yeah. Um, and I think you've got some really interesting ones here. I have tried to think about this, and I don't know, but I'm hoping some will come to me well, as, we as, we're, as we're discussing. Well, and maybe you can help me, because I've got two authors who I want to write things, yeah. but I don't know what I want them to write. Yeah. So my first one is Casey Sepp, who wrote Furious Hours, which I loved. I think I gave it a four stars. Um, she wrote kind of this true crime nonfiction book about Harper Lee's Right. Um, kind of case that she investigated post To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, it was this book that she never wound up publishing. We don't even know if she really wound up writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it because it took place in the South. I was super familiar with all of the cities, all of the settings. Um, but I also wound up really loving the back third of the book, which was about Harper Lee specifically. Mm-hmm. So I toyed around and I was like, maybe I want Casey Sepp to only write biographies from mm-hmm. now on. Which, sure. But then I thought, wait, wait. Wait. Casey Sepp Graduated from the University of Oxford. She's a mm-hmm. Rhodes Scholar in Oxford University. Is she? Is it? Is it? Well, okay. It's uh, that is Oxford University. Yeah. Her website says the University of Oxford. Interesting. So is it Mississippi? I don't know. God, I don't know. Well, nevertheless, we'll, we'll look at this later. Nevertheless, she. Point being, she's very smart. She graduated with her degree in philosophy and religion. Okay. Okay. So what I am thinking is that I actually want her to write a fictional book set in a small town. And now I feel like it can either be in the South, which she is clearly familiar Mm -hmm. with, like she clearly has spent time here, or if University of Oxford... University of Oxford is a college in Oxford University. Okay, because I learned when I was away in England, here we go, uh, Oxford University is 38 colleges. Right. So that's one of them, I guess. No, that's no, not right not. either. It is University of Oxford. In Mississippi. No, in oh. England. <laughs> okay. Okay, sure. Okay, then I'm back to my original... Yes. I think I'm back to my original setting, which is I want a small town, meaning set in Oxford, England. Uh-huh. I want a book set in Oxford, because I've yet to find one that I really like. I want a book set in Oxford um, about a small town, because Oxford felt small to me. It felt smaller than London. Sure. Um, but about a priest. Mm-hmm. I want... Okay, are you ready for this? Yeah. I want 
Fleabag. Okay. Season two. Uh-huh. Hot me- priest. Meets at home in Mitford. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want this small town priest story set in Oxford, England. Okay. The quote small town of Oxford, England. Please. I'm sure it's not small like Thomasville, but you know what I mean. Like this village. Yeah. This English village. Mm-hmm. But I want a complicated priest who like has issues, but also really loves his faith. Yeah. I want this story and I want Casey Sepp to write it. That's really good. Now I want to write it. Don't take it from me, Casey Sepp. I'm ready. I, one came to me while you were talking okay. because you brought TV into the mix. And then okay. my brain was like, oh, I know. Oh, TV. I want CJ Hauser to do Shit's Creek. Okay. I'd be here for that. Right? To do like fish out of water, wealthy aristocrats now living in small town America. Yes. And like not understanding how the world works. And she, just like, I actually think, um, what is his name? Not Eugene. What's the son's name? Daniel. Dan, who I I follow on the internet now Mm -hmm. and he's basically my best friend. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think he did a really good job of treating that small town with respect. Absolutely. And CJ Hauser does that same thing. Exactly. No, that's good. Um, because I just started it, so I'm halfway through the first season. Okay. Um, I love it. But something I said to Kelsey while we were watching is like, I love the respect with which they actually treat the small yes. town. The jokes are never at these people's expense. They're never mean. It's only ever at the rich people's expense. Yeah. And that's so smart. G- um, season one was fine. I need to do a rewatch. And this is what I've heard. I've heard season two. Season two is completely was out. like a game yeah. change. I was like, okay, this is why people binge the show. Okay. At first, I was like, this is good. I was like, I like this. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm okay, glad to hear here. that again. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah, next time I see you, I will have probably finished the whole series. I want a shirt that says the Rosebud Motel. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, ready for my next yes. one? Yes. I really am sad, sad putting these into the world. I trust Casey Sepp, but now I want to write it. Whatever. Casey can have it. Lauren Groff, mm-hmm. who we love. Mm-hmm. Hunter, if you're listening to this, I think you're going to be on board. Um, I want Lauren Groff to write a campus novel. I think that would be so beyond perfect right because she's written about marriage Mm -hmm. she's written about florida Mm -hmm. um she's written about complicated relationships Mm -hmm. she wrote that book about arcadia Uh like i was gonna say arcadia isn't a campus novel because it's a commune novel yes but it's tangential right it has some of those vibes yeah but i want lauren groff to do like the art of fielding Mm -hmm. the secret history Mm -hmm. i'm ready for her campus novel yes unless you're confused Casey Sepp is not writing a campus novel. Right. She's writing a novel about faith. Exactly. In a small mm-hmm. British town. Right. God, that book is going to be so Lauren Groff in this fantasy is writing a, a university novel. <gasps> you know where it should... Sorry. Should it be in Gainesville? <laughs> well, okay. That was a very guttural <laughs> cast. <laughs> like, I could have choked on gum if I was yeah. up. Um, No, you know where it should be. Mm-hmm. There's this school, and I can't remember the name of it, in Florida where they don't give grades. New College? Is that it? In Sarasota? Is that where Michael Mitz went? Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Harvard of the South and they don't give grades and it's It's, like a thing. Yeah. That's where I want it. That would make a lot of sense. It's so good. I went to a conference there last year and it's really cool. I am so good at this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And so here, let me go. I'm I'm taking a name from your list because I think I got this. Okay. In a way that I'm going to need to explain some things. Okay. I watch a lot of things on YouTube. Okay. Um, Of course. I watch a lot of people talk about chiropractors. Okay. And I watch a lot of people talk about a, one very specific mobile video game, Marvel Contest of Champions. <laughs> but I also follow this channel called Defunct Land. Okay. Which is kind of a theme park. 
it's not a vlog. Okay. There's production value. Okay. Like it's a it's a a long form documentary series. Okay. And so it talks about like kind of behind the scenes history of like Disney World and Disney Parks and Disney TV shows. Jim Henson, the Muppets, like he just finished a a long multi part series on like the legacy of Jim Henson, and it's really good. Okay. Um, these are like sincerely well researched, well cited. Um, a good production value, like I said, like they're, they're very good, but it's just this guy on YouTube who makes these videos. Okay. Because of that channel, which I love, I have also branched a little bit into some of these other theme park YouTubes where people like go on rides and talk about the history of these rides. And I have come to understand and appreciate how much these people sincerely and genuinely love theme parks theme park people are like a whole other genre of people and so there there are theme park people who are just like yeah i love going to theme parks and riding rides but then there are theme park people who know the history of every ride who know all the easter eggs you can see on every ride who know that like this part of the ride was repurposed from this other ride oh and there is such care and attention and very interesting stories to be told it's a fandom yeah a well-researched a well-researched fandom and I want J. Ryan Stradle okay. to do a theme park novel in the way that he's talked about food and drink before. What if he sets it... Okay. It's fiction. Yeah. I want it to be fiction, uh-huh. I think. I'm I'm on, obviously I'm fiction. I'm yeah. No, no. This is definitely fiction. Okay. Fiction set at, like, a defunct theme park in the Midwest. And he's... And, like... Kind and it's of, about people who love theme parks who are now bringing yes. bringing their ideas back into yes, this old... to repurpose it yes. for, like, the anniversary. Yes. Like, Pawnee's Like, Pawnee's Harvest yeah. Festival. <laughs> yes. yes okay. We're on the same page. Okay. We are Maybe totally on the same page. We can quit this job because paying bills is hard. <laughs> yeah, And taxes are the worst. Yes. So let's quit. Uh-huh. Bye-bye, the bookshelf. And I'm just going to be, like, a think tank for authors. Yes. And when authors don't know what to do next... Yes. I'm here for the you. The J. Ryan Stradle, Pawnee Harvest Festival, people who really love theme parks and bring their ideas into this close down thing. And he'll write about it with such love. Yes, exactly. He'll write about it with such care. And that's, I know what he, he could do in the spirit of some of these YouTubers who really do care. Yeah. Oh, no, he treats it, this is what, look, I'm discovering that's what I want. Fiction. What I want is authors who treat their characters with respect. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. And so I'm really excited about Lager Queen of Minnesota. It's my next fiction. That's okay. I know. And so it's Marriageology. I'm reading God by Reza Aslan. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I'm going to read that next. And then the theme park novel. And then the theme park right, novel, obviously. obviously, which I'm going to write. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. I love Marilyn Robinson. Yep. But she mostly writes, which I love, mm-hmm. about faith. Right. Small towns. But I think we've already covered that. We already know where Annie's sweet spot lies. Right. So now what I'm thinking... Oh, God. I'm going to give her two options. Because she is prolific. She can choose. Yeah, she's got a lot. Yeah. I either think a fiction, courtroom drama. Okay. I'm thinking Miracle Creek, Body in Question, um, To to Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like she could write about these, a courtroom drama with, like, maybe about death row. No, this is what I want. Yes. Okay. It's definitely death row. Okay. It's about death row. Mm -hmm. And it's about, um... The ethics yes. of death row. Mm-hmm. And it's about faith. And it's yes. about so what, it's what comes faith. after. Yes. Okay. So think about A Time to Kill by John mm-hmm. Grisham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But better. I'm here for it. But, but, but better. Right. Because it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's about the ethics uh-huh. of it. And 
it's going to be written in 2019 or 2020, so hopefully not so not like super problematic mm-hmm. or weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is John Grisham those things? Well, I don't know that he is. All I have, <laughs> I think he is. Well, I didn't read a Time to Kill. I only, I really did like the movie back in the day. It was Sandra Bullock, Matthew oh, yeah. McConaughey. Mm-hmm. You know, back when like those 90s. You know what I'm talking about? That sweet spot. I do. I want Marilyn Robinson to do that, but updated. Um, so like a courtroom drama where it's a it's a person on death row, and what. Is death row right? Is this man innocent? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not even that he winds up being innocent. Just maybe he did something. Right. But does he deserve to be but killed? But does for he deserve it? to die? Right. That's what I, I think. That's a really interesting thing, and I think <gasps> Marilyn Robinson. This is so good. Man, why why did we, we suddenly accidentally become good at this? <laughs> and I was like, this is hard. And then we started talking. And I was like, no, I have ideas. <laughs> no, I got this. Okay, you ready for my next one? Yes. We're gonna go lighter. Okay. We've really. I felt yeah. I mean like, that that went heavy. <laughs> I feel like that went deep. Okay. I want Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. And look, everybody, I know, what is she about to do? Four Weddings and a Funeral yeah. on Hulu? I understand. But I'm starting to not be sure about Mindy's um, television writing taste. Like, sure. I just can't tell. Like, I liked half of the Mindy Project, mm-hmm. didn't like the other half. Um, but I believe, and I never got to see Late Night because it never mm-hmm. came here. Um, small, hashtag small town props. Yeah. So, Okay. What, but what I can trust from Mindy is her writing. Her writing is good. I loved her two books. Genuinely loved mm-hmm. them. So when I say I want her to write a rom-com, I don't mean for the, for the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean I want a book, a romantic comedy book, and I want it about a TSA agent and a pilot. And I'm a little bit imagining the chemistry of Always Be My Maybe. Except better, because that movie was terrible. I didn't think it was terrible, but like I, I, it was not to the Annie Jones. It was not to my standard. It was not to your <laughs> taste level. I told Jordan, I was like, I could write a dissertation on why there some rom coms are just, and it's not. You're right. It's not to say it's terrible. They're just not up to par. It, it, it's not. It's not your sweet spot of the rom com because I think that movie has a lot of really redeeming qualities. Look, but Keanu Reeves showing up is just an amazing shtick. Like, he wound up being Uh awesome, but that's not what makes a good rom-com. No. I wanted more for Randall Park, but I was like, why would Ali Wong's character like him? All he does is smoke pot all day. That, what does he do? And there's that, and I don't know, I I almost want to say that the Ali Wong character wasn't that interesting, and I was much more invested in Randall Park's character. None of them were interesting to me, except I did love Ali Wong's glasses, and I want to find her gold glasses. But I'm imagining that kind of chemistry where you've got this kind of... The Randall Park TSA agent to the Ali Wong pilot. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I, I, I could even cast that. Look, I, I was at the airport. I was at Heathrow. And I, oh, guys, I had to, like, unpack my whole bag, whatever. Um, Turns out cream blush is a liquid over there in the UK. It's uh, not a liquid here. So so I had all my liquids in, like, a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Um, But I didn't put my cream blush in there because who knew? Okay, anyway. So I had to, like, unpack my entire bag. And the whole time I was like... This would be a really cute meet cute. Mm. So I would not, it doesn't even have to be a pilot um, because maybe there's some Me Too stuff that, you know, like power struggle. Oh, like, sure. That's why I made the pilot yeah. a woman in my, yeah. in my imagination. Yes, but, but maybe it's a TSA agent and maybe he goes, no, maybe somebody, somebody goes through somebody's luggage mm-hmm. 
And then they fall, like they have this meet cute, but nothing happens because right. they've got to catch a flight. Right. And maybe it's like, how can he find her mm-hmm. again? Or how can she find him again? Et cetera. I don't care who plays A little plays bit like who. the terminal. Yes. We were just, we love the terminal. Uh, the terminal is great. So I was good. also just thinking yeah, about that this we past say, week. Because we quoted all that. We say, but to eat, but to eat. Anyway. Um, okay. So that's I think my, this was a lot of fun. This was fun. This is a weird exercise that we've never done. That I adore. Yeah. And so like, I don't know. We might try to do this again. Yeah. Any old time. production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the fake books we've talked about on today's episode, you can't, but you can buy real books at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. And thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bodwin the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support us on... If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon, I cannot say that correctly today, (laughs) and gain access to exclusive bonus content like other things that Annie and I just randomly talk about, (laughs) you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, something happened. Uh, I wasn't here for this, but we did have a mouse. (gasps) And I'm so glad I wasn't here yeah. for that because I do all the bugs. Olivia sure. does no bugs because I guess in New York she didn't have to deal with bugs. I can deal with bugs. They grew up in the South, whatever. Um, I can even do lizards. But you know what I can't do? A mouse Mice. because I've never seen it. Really? I have never seen one in the wild, ever. Well, if they're in the wild, well, it's a mouse. But if they're in your house, it's a rat, right? Oh, I don't no, know. That, that is absolutely Okay, right. I was like, I don't know. I think rats are big. But, I've seen a rat. <laughs> I saw rats in Italy. It's, it's my just favorite unscientific thing that people believe is like if it's outside it's a mouse and if it's inside it's a rat. I just think rats are big. Ma- rats are bigger. Like um yeah. like what was ratches, that? Ratches. What was the rat in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Splinter. Splinter. That's who I think of. Yeah. But this was not this was a mouse they got rid of it it was fine. Not got rid of it killed it let it let be it outside. outside. So it could become a mouse again. Yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>